What's going on, people? Thank you very much for downloading and pressing play on episode three of the Over the Hill podcast. Follow and subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts from to ensure that you do not miss an episode. On today's show, I sit down with the one and only Simon Harkness from It's Gone Viral and we cover a range of topics, including our favourite Netflix shows at the moment and the time that he bought Seth Rogen and Ashtray. So turn it up, kick back and enjoy. You are now listening to the Over the Hill podcast. so far i've just kind of come in with me talking shit like this before i've actually introduced the podcast so i changed the habit of a lifetime so far but it is going to be episode three of what is known as the over the hill podcast and special guest today is the one and only mr simon harkness who i'm going to read it directly from his twitter bio is a presenter, writer, producer, coffee addict, my man, uh, film and TV presenter for It's Gone Viral, who apparently once bought Seth Rogen an ashtray, and I'm sure we're going to get onto that um, in a little bit. But yeah, mate, I really appreciate you coming on. As we were saying before we press record, I just it, these podcasts are kind of just a session for me to sit down with people I find interesting and just chat shit. Um, but the last two have been people from my world of house music and pirate radio, so... I'm really looking forward to sitting down with someone who I know outside of, of this, but um, is also someone who has nothing to do with that side of things, unless you're secretly a DJ and you've never told me, um, in, which, <laughs> in which case, why have you always hidden it from me? But, um, but yeah, how's, uh, how's lockdown life been treating you? I think that's been the first question I've asked both the other guests. So we might as well carry on with that. Yeah, that's fine. It's a, it's a very good opening question. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on here, mate. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, yeah, I think you're, I think you're very much going to be the UK equivalent of Joe Rogan because you don't really give a shit what you ask people. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I can't, and I'm going bored as well, nervous. which is, uh, which is a good thing. So yeah, I'm on the I way to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, lockdown, mate, it's, um, it's been tricky. Obviously, like, uh, I, me and Beth feel very lucky in the sense that we have each other and we live together. I don't know what I would be doing if I was on my own, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, lucky that I'm still able to work um, and touch with, I mean, although the industry I work in has been basically shut down for, what, the best part of a year now, like cinema hasn't really been open, still able to work um, and I'm still able to turn my laptop off at around half five, six o'clock and just sort of chill with Beth. So I'm very fortunate in that sense, but just because that's okay. Everything else about lockdown has been an absolute shitter. To me. We are allowed to swear on this. Oh, yeah, yeah, mate, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I pressed the uh, explicit content button on the distributor, so yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been fucking terrible really, hasn't it? But like, I, I kind of like, I'm trying to, trying to tell myself that, yeah, it's been really tough, but many more people out there have had it much, much worse than what me and Beth have. Like, um, ultimately, we still really enjoy each other's company. And although that has been tested, <laughs> I've been told, um, I believe I'm quite difficult to live with most of the time, so let alone in lockdown. Um, but no, luckily we've, we just love spending time with each other. And as difficult as lockdown has been, it's, it's kind of been nice and unusual to spend this much time with each other. But obviously that does have 
does have negatives to it. How about yourself? Well, I'm going to stick up for you because people won't know <laughs> people won't know this off air. But um, I know you through Beth, who you've just mentioned, who's your girlfriend. We used to work together, yeah. and you know, you say you know it, it might be a struggle to be stuck indoors with you, but I worked in close proximity with Beth in the same room for about six months. So you know, uh, you've had it hard yourself, mate. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just you know team lad. You know we've got we've got to stick up for each other sometimes. Um, yeah, it's. it's mate for me it's not been the worst thing in the world i said it on the last episode actually um my workload has greatly decreased um i won't mention where i work on the podcast because you know there's lunatics out there um but yeah my workload's greatly decreased and during the first lockdown it was like a lot of my work was planning because i'm a manager i've got a team of 15 um i was planning for the re-entry and for people to be safe at work and trying to be quotes unquote covid secure um mm. But now we've got that and we know exactly what we're doing and we know it's worked because no one's caught anything at work. Um, wow. Yeah, like it's been, the, the rest of this time has kind of just been next to nothing really, just checking up on my staff and making sure they're okay. So I've been incredibly bored this time around and obviously like my other half works in the hospitals, which have been incredibly busy. So there's like an, an inner turmoil of, you know, feeling quite guilty sometimes when she's not around when when she's at work and I'm at home doing nothing so you know I do try and make sure that she's looked after and stuff like that but you know I've, I've kind of just been reading and going for long walks and um I was looking after some sick relatives for a bit but they're both now on the men so oh, yeah I'm brilliant. just I'm, I'm kind of looking just looking forward just to getting a little bit more back to normal and it's good we've jumped on this this little podcast bandwagon or I've jumped on it anyway um at, at a time where it seems like we are going to start finally coming back to normal which is you know music to my ears but at the same time um I, I, I can't help but think we've we shouldn't have got this bad like I feel like we've just completely fucked this up from the get-go mate I could not agree more like I and I'd love to share your enthusiasm with yeah June 21st we're all going to be in the pubs uh, football's going to be coming home. My God, I wish it is. And I wish we're going to be able to enjoy like England's success in the pubs. Um, in my opinion, the fact that we're one year on and actually in a worse position than we were this time last year, like uh, how, how anyone can take what this government say as red is quite frankly just beyond me it's it's an absolute joke you know you know my feelings on this government and i know your well, feelings yeah. on this government well hopefully it's not going to get too political but i like i want to be optimistic and i want to be positive about it um it's like it's I, one of them I, things where you go through um a relationship with someone that's bloody awful and then you take you take them back time and time again thinking that it's going to be different <laughs> but the reality is they still mess up the house they 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 still don't tidy up after themselves they're still you know annoying as fuck it's just like mm. you know it, yeah. it's the same thing over and over again unfortunately we're in a position where we're stuck with this lot for the next few years but yeah I, and I, it's I, not just like one person like if it was like I just feel like you're being cheated on by Boris. You're being cheated on by <laughs> Rishi. Matt Hancock turns out he's a blast from the past. He's it's like you've fuck got you up at some point. You've got Mad. An abu- you've got an abusive partner, and all of their family come around and shit on your front lawn. <laughs> exactly, that, that's the equivalent. <laughs> what a um, way to describe this government. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we are where we are. But I, I, I think. Um, 
I do think that, you know, by summer, hopefully we'll have some normality. Um, I, I'm not particularly in it. I, I, what is this obsession with pubs? What is, like, right. I like a pub and, and I've been at, well, you know I like a pub. <laughs> but like <laughs> We've been to I, many pubs together. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't leave until, it, you know, I'm almost forced to leave sometimes. But yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> what is the fucking British public's obsession with? Open the pubs, let the pub. I, I mm. get from a perspective of if you work in that industry and, you know, just for complete clarity i grew up with my mum owning and running pubs i lived in pubs for the majority of my my life um uh like i i get where people would want to go back in terms of like the financial reasons if you own a pub or if you work in the hospitality sector blah 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 i get that but for the rest of us like what the fuck is this big obsession like it's a massive milestone of the pubs are open like can we not like think a little bit more about you know the other stuff it's yeah. just bizarre. 100%, mate. <laughs> um, it's so weird. Me and Beth were talking about this about half an hour ago. Beth works in the beauty industry. Like, where is the obsession with, like, the beauty industry? And it's it literally, as far as me and Beth are concerned, it comes down to blokes in pubs or women in salons. And it's not just women in salons. It's no. the whole beauty industry. We should be equally as supportive and as buzzing about the idea of getting your fucking haircut for the first time in maybe not you but like (laughs) (laughs) like the first time you can take proper care of your like of of your of your appearance for the first time in like three to four months like why what is what is the difference between like pubs and the hospitality sector getting all this support and being like yeah don't worry you can you can expect to enjoy spending time in the pub when at this rate you can't even book in to go and get your hair cut like i don't understand it pubs are great we've enjoyed many times together in the pub and i i love i love nothing more than going to the pub but i would not put our expectations on leaving this awful virus and sending it packing as boris says i don't equate that and going back to normality with the pub it's like i don't understand why people it's it's seen as like a badge of honor or something like that that we should be expecting to go and enjoy the pub as much as possible is i think it comes down to boris being mates with the prick who owns weatherspoons <laughs> yeah who was just like there is absolutely no evidence that people yeah. transmit the virus mate the I, fact that the geezer that runs weatherspoons seemed to be yeah. the chief scientific advisor this time last year did not exactly. get any hope at all between exactly. that and shaking hands with people i was just like we're fucked we are but absolutely fucked <laughs> we are and it turned out we were and it just like there's it it bothers me from like the fact that like cinemas had to close because obviously that's like now that I'm I miss, that I really miss. I don't care that yes. much about the pub. I want to go into, bruv, James Bond was coming out. <laughs> New James yeah. Bond was ready to yeah. fucking roll. And yeah, just, just blown out of the water. I mean, yeah. it has been really, really shite for films and i'm sure we're going to get into that conversation because it's where i I know you shine especially um with some of the stuff i've seen you often speak about with regards to film and tv but um yeah like i miss i miss Mm. that feeling like you see memes now of like people taking pictures of cinema corridors like i miss this feeling i'm one of those people like one of the things that me and joe tend to do the most is probably go 
if it's not going out to an actual restaurant, it is going to the cinema. Like yeah. I'd take those things over pubs any day of the week. I'm dying to go and watch a big screen somewhere. I bought a 50 inch TV because my other TV was too small to, to feel like I was watching movies. I was like, oh. so yeah, I'm seeing in the background as well. It's a phenomenal TV. No, that's, that, that's the old one. That's the 36. That's the old one. Oh my <laughs> that's, God. Wow. That's, that's the bedroom one. Yeah. That's the bedroom one. Now that's the 36, the fifties upstairs. Um, that's fantastic. One. But yeah, yeah I, I feel like it. with, with like the cinema, like the, the fact that like so few cases, literally, I think it was like under 10 cases were discovered in um, like to have been transferred through the cinema. Yet, like there was no nowhere near the amount of support or the public outcry to save cinemas as it was to go and like sink pints with your mates. Because like, understandably, like the idea of opening a pub with social distancing, once you've had three pints, you do not care. The amount of people you've seen like buy gear off people in pubs who they don't know, like after three pints, you think like after three or four pints, they're just going to suddenly stop respecting, like start respecting people's like personal space. No, all manner of shit goes on in pubs. Like it's just mad. And so it's, it's so like, it's, it's so upsetting to see the, like the, the level of, the level of public outcry and the sort of the bastion that is the pub it doesn't get the same it doesn't get the same the the, the like film industry doesn't get the same protection the the hair and beauty industry doesn't get the same protection hospitality is a really weird one and, and as someone who's worked in hospitality up until about two and a half years ago like that was pretty much the only industry i've like properly spent like day in day out you first met me i was making coffee yeah. like it's I I understand how big an industry that is, but I don't understand why that's suddenly taken priority over. Yeah, it just seems to be all the other industries in the UK that makes the, the like pro- props up the economy. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's a weird benchmark. That's what that's what yeah. puddles me. It's like it seems to be the main bone of contention. Pubs, Scotch eggs, whatever the <laughs> fuck. Like it just it's been weird to me. But um, you touched on it there. Um, you know, you worked in the hospitality industry for for quite a long time. Mm. And um I know when you when you moved to London, that was originally what you did. What how did the um the job that you're doing now sort of come around? Because you work for It's Gone Viral, which is an ever-growing, how would it be described? Like a media company or how yeah. would you describe it? Um, so it's like it's a social media agency quite similar to Lab Bible. Um, and basically when I when I moved to London with Beth, we basically we come from a very small village in Salisbury. Um, it's called Downton and it's very, very small. And I had I was getting a bit frustrated with the lack of opportunities there you know you know it's weird when you turn 18 you're like right I've got so much time to do anything I want and then the next thing you know you're sort of like 23 and it's like oh my god what's actually happened so it was kind of like a, a move to London to say let's just let's just do this if we fail then at least we can come home and we'll just sort something out like we'll be fine but we just decided to move to London and pursue whatever sort of ventures we wanted to do and after about a year of moving to London, um, I was starting to do uh, presenting for a company um, for it was for a student magazine. And they basically I got in touch with them and I said, I've got all the equipment. I'm a presenter and you're you should be doing like videos with a presenter in it. Can I be your presenter? And they were like, yeah, 
if you can film it and get us these opportunities, do it. So I was extremely lucky that that opportunity happened, but I'm also really proud of myself for making that opportunity happen because could have just moved to London and just sort of waited, but just sort of cracked on with it and spoke to people who I knew could potentially help me. Um, and then after about two, maybe three years of doing that, this opportunity came up at It's Gone Viral where they were looking for a looking for a film and TV person to put um, kind of like edit clips together, like uh, oh, who saw last night's Bake Off? This person was a bit of a tool, weren't they? Um, put those sorts of things together. And so I said to him, like, I can do that, but I've also got all these contacts at um, like studios and PR companies, which I'd built up over the two to three years I've been doing stuff with Verge magazine. Um, but it not make sense to make our own content with celebrities. You're a much bigger platform than I think people realize. Um, at this point, I joined, we we're on 1 million followers. We're now at like 7 million followers. And it was just like, there was just this amazing opportunity where I was able to talk to the owners of the company because I think I was the sixth hire of the company. And I was able to, I was able to give them what they needed and they were able to give me what I wanted, which was to basically be the, the face of the channel and create all this content with celebrities, which I am, it's a very weird thing to be good at doing, but I do tend to be quite good at doing it. Yeah, um, it's, it's something it's, that um, <laughs> it, it came up, uh, I can't remember if I told you actually, it was quite funny. Uh, you've met my girlfriend a couple of times and it was yeah. at some, some point last year, um, I can't remember if she sent me a video if we were sitting there and she, I think she sent me a message and she was like, is this like Beth Simon? And I was like, Who, where? And then she sent me a link and I was like, yeah. She went, oh my God, like, I didn't realise that's what he did. <laughs> so it's like, completely unrelated. I hadn't shown her what you did. I hadn't told her you yeah. weren't there. But she, she just saw you there because, you know, hashtag it's gone viral. Um, it's gone viral. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's, I'm very aware it's a very silly job, and, but it's a really fun one. And I was like, I was doing a lot of red carpets when before I started working for It's Gone Viral. And all the feedback I got was like how different and how, like fun they were because red carpets you tend to get about one to two minutes with um like the celebrities if you're lucky because it's just like a conveyor belt where you're basically like <laughs> you it's a bit of a scramble and good luck and all the feedback i was getting was really really positive and i was using it in show reels and show reels were like being seen by people and then this opportunity came up where i was like i can do this but why don't we do this because i know how to do this and yeah, it's gone viral. Have been it's gone viral. Have been amazing for me. And yeah, it's um yeah get to do get to do a job which I absolutely love, which is basically God, I feel feel very very lucky to be doing it. But it's not without its stresses because people see my job and they're like, yeah, you got a great job. I'm like, yeah, it's a great job, but fuck me, it's really really stressful at times. Yeah. Um, because it's all there is so much responsibility. Because I I could go in. If I did a, an interview tomorrow and I asked inappropriate questions and was like um, thought to be creepy or said like a political view, which was like ill thought out or researched or something, like I would never do all of that stuff anyway. But like when you, when you work for a company like this, you really have to think about how you come across and touch wood all the, pretty I mean, there's been like one or two interviews which have been i i, I wouldn't say a car crash but, but there's, there's been one or two which haven't gone as well as i'd hoped but that like i think that happens and i think you just need to 
just it's it's just really weird. You when you're putting yourself out there, you kind of need to be as as respectful and as nice and as friendly and as polite as possible, but also come up with really different angles that you can expect for people to enjoy because like if you're interviewing people in bear board it's not going to make for a good interview so you've got to kind of got to kind of like um kind of got to kind of mix it up and just just make stuff that's fun and a and a bit different and the responsibility of doing that like it can play on your mind a lot like i was i did a I did an interview last week where for about 48 hours afterwards i was just like right but has this looks like it's gone well but has this actually gone as well as i thought so just it it plays on your mind an awful lot but most of the time it's all good yeah it's something i've I've kind of felt you know with a little bit of trepidation about doing the podcast thing because it's like i've got guests in mind who i know will come on i've got other guests i'm going to reach out to that i hope come on largely i know that they're going to be good but i know that there's going to be a couple where you I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm having to carry the conversation um, because that's not Sorry. really. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but this is why, you know, I wanted you to be one of the first guests because I know you're kind of used to this format. Um, have you largely been, so for the last couple of months, at least you've just been at home. Um, did you, were you able to go out and, and actually interview in person at all last year? Once things calmed down a bit in that, that lull, that uh, eat out to help out phase that we had. <laughs> how could we forget (laughs) eat out to help out um so weirdly the last interview we did in person was it was a game with margot robbie and journey smollett bell for birds of prey and birds of prey came out in february last year and it is mental to think that the last in-person junket i did was with someone the size of margot robbie um because she's like one of the biggest stars in the world and everything that was the last one we've done in person and ever since then it's all been done on zoom which is really like it's it's a really difficult one because as you'll know if you're interviewing someone on zoom and you there's a nice angle for you to interject in you have to time that perfectly because if you're doing an interview and you go oh tell me about that but they can they've continued talking you've lost about three seconds of audio yeah and so in person it is so much easier because um you could be like because they say, oh yeah, that was really fun to film. And that little pause there, you want to say, oh yeah, tell me about it. And they're literally just pausing to catch your breath. In person, you can jump in and say that. Over Zoom, if you do that, you've just completely fucked up three seconds of audio and it's not fun. Um, but yeah, um, Margaret Robbie was the last person, last person who we did in person. And yeah, I mean, like that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good name to have as the last person you did in person and fingers crossed we'll be able to get a few more done in person this year as well yeah I I think so I think you know um as we were talking about before I do I can see things going a bit more back to normal by probably more more towards the end of the summer um I still think a lot of people are going to be very cautious and rightfully so I don't think we should be rushing Mm. this personally um I've had my jab so I don't oh nice yeah Um, (laughs) I'm volunteering um uh, I mentioned it on the last episode, I'm volunteering at a COVID vaccination centre. So they've got to give us all a jab before we go and work there. So I'm literally just waiting to start that work. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, I've had it. And obviously Joe's had it from where she, where she works. So yeah, we're good. We're good mm. to go. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, still not going to be reckless dickheads about anything, you know, <laughs> but I'm just, you know, hopefully, go to Dubai. 
God, no. Uh, it's <laughs> funny you say that. The next guest I've got lined up for the podcast is actually living in Dubai at the moment. So I'm really interested to see. Um, really? Yeah, I'm really interested to see how life is for him out there at the minute because it's just such a different world. I mean, he's not he's not a fucking influencer or one of these people um, at all by any means. Um, but that's another one because obviously we're talking about the obsession with the pub, but there has to be an obsession with Dubai at the moment. It's utterly bizarre. It, it, mate, I don't, it's not for me. And again, it's something I'm mm. going to really enjoy talking to my next guest about. And he moved out there for work reasons. Um, he's a DJ, he works in music anyway, but he's he's been living out there for a couple of years now. Um, but yeah, I don't, it, it's not the sort of place that I'd ever really be interested in visiting. I think it, I think it's quite a fascinating place, but I, mm. you know, I'm not, I'm not really down with the pretentiousness of it and, you know, the history of the way it was put together and built and stuff. And I'm just, for me, I'm just like, no, but it is quite funny. Um, Or it was, I don't know if it was funny. It was kind of pathetic actually to see some of the influencers claim that their work was essential. Oh my God. People on Instagram need me as their motivation to work out. I'm thinking, listen, if you were on my Instagram feed, it'd be my motivation to put my fucking phone in the bin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I can't I, these people I just I can't deal with them um but yeah I'm, I, I'm completely completely with you like that was just such a smack in the face to like all actual essential workers <laughs> all key workers yeah obviously I'm not a key worker and I was fucking offended by that yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. was, I'm offended by your stupidity because that is a fucking disgusting thing to say yeah like it, then again, yeah. in actual fact, stay in Dubai because it means we're not really technically sharing <laughs> oxygen. I don't, I, don't, I don't want you around me. Um, yeah, that's, it's, yeah, it's really odd. It's, it's, there's been a lot of weird things over the last year that I sort of look at and just think, oh, like just shut up. I, I think one of the things I've learned since the start of the pandemic um, is there is a hell of a lot of people, particularly in the Western world, that just need to grow the fuck up. Like there's just, and there's been so much moaning about this, that, and the third. And I just think to myself, like, uh, you know, I see what goes on um, at the hospitals and, you know, I've actually lost a relative to this and, you know, I lost a, a mm. colleague to this and stuff like that. And I just think like, just, just shut up moaning that you can't, you know, like go somewhere or do something like the trouble is, is so many people, decided that they weren't going to comply with it and they weren't going to take the advice and just go and do whatever the fuck they wanted that it's actually exacerbated the issue but i think if more Mm. people just grew the fuck up and pulled together we we probably would have been out of this ages ago um can't Mm. pin it entirely on the public um by any means because you know in the absence of of actual clarity of leadership and and you know sensible people in charge obviously anything can and does happen but yeah i mean one of them things, you know, as I say, with the Dubai influencers and other people just like, oh, uh, what, you know, and anti-mask people and stuff like that. It's just, just grow up, just grow up. Stop yeah. being a fucking baby about things because we're all in this, like we've all got to deal with it. So mm. just deal with it. You know, I appreciate that some people have it very, very hard. Um, and some people have had a really, really rough time. But, you know, a lot of the people who I see bitching, haven't had a rough time the people who've had a rough time are too busy having a rough time to be crying yeah. about the fact they've got to wear a mask in asda or whatever you know so yeah it's it's think, something that's opened my eyes this last year a lot of people need to grow up 100 percent. and i think one of the things which i think genuinely will happen and will like prove to have a very positive effect is 
like Trump being booted off social media, <laughs> what I will say to that, like, it sounds like a flippant remark and a bit of a joke, but it's not. But because he needs like, to fucking grow up. <laughs> he, he needs to grow up. He needs to stop. Like he needs to stop the, that man has blood on his hands for yeah. suddenly deciding, no, can't admit I've lost the election. Um, I'd like go, I will be there with you. I will walk with you. We will, we will take down capital. We will drain the, we will drain the swamp. He did nothing. He's got blood on his hands. People died because of, because of him lying, yeah. which is another story completely, but, but he's the What's representation really of people that need to grow the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's really interesting that like, it's taken, it's taken like what years for him to be booted off social media. And if it wasn't for Trump losing it, absolutely losing it, would Facebook, would Twitter have started putting out these, no, these aren't confirmed. Like these aren't verified news stories. Would would they have done it? I don't think they would. It's, it, no. it got to the point where it was like, this man needs to grow up because he is um, he's influencing people's views and he's essentially starting a civil war based on the fact that he he's a giant man baby he's a man baby (laughs) and like people like him do need to grow up people who support him need to grow up but i think it's a really interesting i think it's a really interesting time that now social media like platforms have kind of said enough is enough but this should have been done years ago man brexit wouldn't have happened Brexit would not have happened if those rules had been in place five years ago. The problem why, was, why is, has it taken this long? Well, they made too much money um, from, you know, selling the data, basically. Yeah, that's it. That the is advertising data and stuff. And that's been a big issue. I mean, yeah, I think he's he's the main example you could point out, but yeah. there are a lot of figures in media and stuff. Again, um, Piers Moron being, being a prime <laughs> example. Now, um, where, but, where do you, where do you lie with Piers? Because I'm so, I, I, I tweeted this morning. I'm so disappointed because it seemed like last year when he was the only person yeah. who, he, he wasn't the only person holding the government to account. There were other people, but he was the one that had the biggest platform yeah. and had the loudest gob basically. Um, yeah. He was doing so much good in holding these people to account. And then he just like, he just turns into a giant man baby himself again. And it's like, mm. it's no wonder you were friends with the orange one. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's like, you're just a prick as well. And today he's just like, one minute he's tweeting, be kind about Caroline Flack. And the next minute he's abusing, you know, pregnant Meghan, Meghan Markle. Markle. It's just like, yeah. mate, he, he is... Uh, what a year what just just what a year that's all i can say about him but it's not he's again he's he's like the sort of the the one at the top of it but there's just so many figures in the media now that are just that honestly some of what's going on a lot of it does boil down to and i'll come back to it people need to grow the fuck up you know (laughs) there's 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 that one woman um i call her julia hatred spewer um on top radio yeah um yeah. julia hatred spewer who you know does nothing but sit there and we're never we're never ever coming out of lockdown we are never coming out of lock. it's just like shut the fuck mm. up and grow up like we are coming out of lockdown just deal with it for like you're a multi-millionaire anyway like mm. shut up just shut up and fuck off you know, um, but there's there's so many like them, and it, it's yeah. been really revealing, as I say, in the last year that my opinion for a lot of people is just just grow up, just grow up and yeah. deal with it. Uh, yeah, I completely agree, and I do think that the more this goes on, 
like I do think there is going to get to a point where there are only so many narratives and so many people you can blame things on yep. until you have to start thinking, well, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand, Australia are actually living pretty comfortably right now. We have a very similar setup. South Korea. South Korea is the biggest example. Is the thing with Australia is it's it is sparsely populated. Um, yeah, so of course. Yeah, it same is, same with massive. New Zealand. Yeah, same with New Zealand. But South Korea is a prime example. Um, South Korea is very similar population density to the UK. Similar size actual population. Similar size country. Um, and they're I would they're not back to normal. They still have quite a rigorous test and trace t- system and stuff mm. like that. And they are still quite strict in some areas. But lucky them. Yeah, but like. <laughs> you know, when they have 15 cases, they go into like overdrive and meltdown and, and, and they're just yeah. like, they jump on it. Whereas over here, there's 15 cases on my street. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I, um, me and Beth were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and it was 10, there was 10,653 cases recorded in a day. And I said that to Beth and she was like, no, nah, that's not right. I was like, no, maybe it isn't actually. No, it's maybe it was 1,063. Maybe I got, maybe I added, maybe I did the government a disservice. Maybe I added in an extra zero. So we Googled it. Yeah, 10,563. <laughs> I was like, that is mental. Yeah. That We are a year into this. How on earth are we still recording 10,000 <laughs> cases per day? It is fucked up. Like, yeah. but yeah. I remember um, back in like, late august maybe early september um i was in like the whatsapp group with the boys and i was just like fuck me like 800 cases today like this is <laughs> you know this could get to a thousand really soon and then it's we're gonna be like, like italy in a minute god we can never get to the worst heights of italy's thousand oh. cases a day where they were vilified yeah yeah oh. I, I, we went to italy in um in august and they were taking it so much more seriously than we yeah. were at that point you know you couldn't go into a week when we got there we landed and we had some hassle getting into the Airbnb. Um, and we'd been we'd been traveling since like 5 a.m. By this point, it's like gone lunchtime. We're both knackered. It's 34 mm. degrees. Like, we're just like, what the fuck? So Joe's upstairs sorting the stuff out in the apartment. And there was like a pizza place just downstairs. So I was like, let me just go downstairs and just grab us a couple of bits of pizza. Just have, just have something before we like pass out of exhaustion. Um, so I've gone downstairs and literally I, I took, I was like one step in the door. And this woman, and I realized I didn't have a mask on. So I had to go back upstairs and get it. And I was like, fair play, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely fair play. And when we went to, um, there's like one of the oldest shopping malls in the world is in Milan. And we had a wander around there and went into the different departments and stuff. Like every single department in this shopping mall, you had like, you know, you got Gucci there, Prada there. Like they're they're all like different little slots, almost like a, like a giant, um, almost like a Debenhams sort of setup, but it was just like, it was like that. Um, every single section had hand sanitizer there. They were checking mm. your temperature at like all the escalators and when you went in and out of the main doors and stuff, like they were fully on it. And at that time they had like the lowest levels of COVID in Europe, which is why it's the one place that we decided to book, you know, we, we were just yeah. like, it was the least likely that we'd end up going there for five days and having to, to, to quarantine for two weeks when we got back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, a lot of places took it way more seriously than us, but yeah. That's, I, what, that's what I struggle with most. I think like, as you said, like South Korea have a really, like I, I didn't know they had a, a, a natural working um, track and trace system. Yeah. It's one of the reasons we, they got out of it so quickly at the start was they were yeah. fully, fully organized and on it. 
And like, I, I had no idea about that. So like, it, and, and that's what I think bothers me the most. Like we've had, we've spent like billions on, on like it is, it is corruption. It is, <laughs> it is just corruption. And it, it bothers me and it upsets me because there are so many people who have lost, like I, I lost my um, granddad to COVID. You lost um, like colleagues and family members. I, I know pretty much this has affected pretty much every single person in the UK, whether you've like, like even not just from being in lockdown, but the fact that you've probably lost a family member or at least someone you were, you knew because of this. And it, it's just, it's just so maddening to think that like the countries who we vilified such as Italy, because they had a really high, uh, they had really high cases. I and mean, then as soon as we uh, like, zoomed past their cases <laughs> to like 2000 a day it was like oh you know so we're, we're not going to shine the light on the fact that we're yeah. actually now still in 10,000 cases but we day. stopped comparing ourselves we stopped comparing ourselves to other countries when um we were doing worse but now we've got the vaccine <laughs> yes. now we've got the vaccine and we're doing yeah. really well we're just like look at us so much better than europe have that but yeah yeah i mean the vaccines do mean brighter days are coming and it will be the end of lockdown but speaking of lockdown yeah. um what have you been what have you been watching during this i mean <laughs> i didn't actually watch that much myself during the first lockdown um i was kind of just flitting around doing random bits and as I say I actually had a fair bit of work on during that time but um but this last one I've been watching quite a lot so what's been what's been on your Netflix watch list over the last couple of months um there's been so much um what have we been doing we've been we've been watching the the US office which I (laughs) can tell by your face. Yeah, I was never really a big fan. I like the original Office. Yeah, me me too. The the original Office is my favourite sitcom. And as a, because of that, I was like, I just can't watch the US Office. They're going to absolutely bastardise it. But I got got a message from one of my mates from school who I hadn't spoken to in years. And he said, I think you'll really like the US Office. Give it a go. And I was like, I'll give the US Office a go if you watch Parks and Rec because Parks and Rec is also one of my favourite shows. I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec um, during lockdown. And like, there's, there's something about friendship and community and comedy, which is invaluable to getting me and Beth through lockdown at the moment. And they're, two, they're basically the themes of Parks and Rec are also the themes of The Office. And... I don't know what it is, but they've been like comfort blankets. It's really odd. Um, and Harry Potter, back on Harry Potter now, which is bizarre. I'm listening to the audio books like when I'm going to bed. I'm like, if, if I'm trying to focus on stuff at work, I put Harry Potter on. It's really weird. I guess maybe it's like, it's wanting, it's wanting to feel a bit more safe and secure. So I'm, I'm watching shows that I know I love. Um, I'm listening to things which I know are going to bring me some sort of comfort and joy um but yeah i would say uh we've really been getting into the office parks and rec has been amazing and yeah we probably watch a harry potter film at least once a week like just at some point just to have it on in the background yeah i've usually sometimes i'll flick through like the the sky movie channels and they'll they'll have like five or six harry potter movies on like just Mm. back to back and if i'm just yeah if i'm just doing stuff indoors i'll just put it on and it's just there 
Yeah. If even if I'm just reading or something like that, it's a it is a comforting thing, and it's something Joe mentioned to me a while back because I do tend to. I've, I've definitely watched the same thing like a lot of times. Like I sat last yeah. night, for example, in bed and just on my way to bed, I just sat and just watched Superbad for no reason. Like, <laughs> other than the fact that I know it's a great film. And Joe was saying to me ages ago that one of the reasons she thinks I'd do it is because I know exactly what's going to happen. Therefore, there's no yeah. like anxiety or anything like that. And she's right because I recently watched Greenland, which is the new uh, Gerald Butler Viggo Mortensen um no that's green book isn't it um, yeah, no, i've not seen green it's, it's uh gerard butler um and monica from i can't remember her surname she's the wife in homeland and she's also deadpool's girlfriend um <laughs> i can't remember her surname but yeah so greenland is it's it's an apocalypse film basically it's a giant comet coming towards the earth and you know people are trying to reach greenland because that's where the bunker is um it's one of those films but it's actually probably the best one of those films i've ever seen it's really oh, wow. really really good um it explores a lot but yeah obviously given that we're living in this current time which we probably could have come <laughs> quite close to extinction at some point <laughs> um i was sitting there like real anxiety whilst watching it and I, I was looking at my watch and like heart rate was like it gone from like 65 all the way up to like 109 and i was like what the fuck like and i realized wow. that yeah that is it is a big thing i think that is why we watch those things that comfort us and you know why we might listen to the same album over and over again it's not because we i mean we would like it but it's not because we like have to have it it's just it's a comforting thing so yeah, yeah. I, i'm with you on that we got into um I don't know if you've seen Superstore. Superstore was a really good one. We watched on Netflix. On Netflix, yeah. We we got three episodes in, and I think we I think it goes back to what you were just saying that it it needs to grab you immediately, otherwise you will revert back to what you know is a safe pair of hands. And yeah. it didn't it didn't grab us. We yeah, watched three episodes and we we're like, let's just put on the office. <laughs> and it is so bad. I'm very aware, like this is what I do for a job. But I, I think I, yeah, it's. I think it has to be like some something in like rooted in anxiety. Well, a lot I'd love of what to know if watch, there was a study on it. Probably is a lot of what we watch is comedy and rom coms and stuff, which is wouldn't wouldn't be my first choice. I'm not opposed. To, I'm not trying to be a geezer saying oh, watch a rom com, <laughs> but like you know, obviously where where Joe's dealing with like death and destruction on a daily basis at work, the last thing she wants to watch is Greenland when she comes home. So yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, we watch a lot of rom coms and stuff and comedies. And Superstore was a great one because it's it's quite light hearted, but it's also very funny. We also watched um, uh, what was the other one? Shit's Creek. We watched Shit's Creek, which was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I've heard amazing things about Shit's Creek. Um, you, I, I think you'd really like it. It's um, it, it's it's weird in a way that I can't describe, but <laughs> it just it just it just had me rolling. Like the characters are so bizarre. Like it's it's just a really really fun funny show. Um, isn't it quite surreal and heartwarming? Very. Yeah, it's very surreal. Yeah. Very surreal. Um, but yeah, no, it's um. Uh, but we got around to the last episode and uh, I think Joe concentrated on it a lot more than I did. There was definitely big parts of it that I missed. Um, but yeah, by the last episode, I was like, you know, when you're kind of choked up for a show to be over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like that with the end of that. So yeah, shit's Creek. It's definitely worth, you know, the, the, the sort of applause it's been getting. Well, I believe that is next. I mean, we haven't finished the office yet. Um, I think we've got that and, and we are already starting to feel a little bit choked up about it. So and I think we've got like another five or six episodes left. Um, and I believe Shit's Creek is next on 
next on the list. It's um, fun. It's a lot of fun. It really is good. Is it? Is it quite ensemble? Because I think, like, I was having this talk with my uh, mate the other day, but I think British comedy needs a really, really good ensemble cast yeah. comedy. Yeah. Because when, what was the last good British sitcom you watched? Where you thought this is this is fucking brilliant? Because I'm going to say this country, and before that, I would probably say Gavin and Stacey, which yeah, was what, um, 2006, 2009. Yeah, prior to Gavin and Stacey, even I, I, I'm not a massive, massive British comedy lover. I'm really not. Um, we're in a really bad place with it. I think. Yeah, I think so. I'm not a huge. Um, there's not that many British stand-ups that I'm really into. Um, and yeah, with as regards to, to actual sitcoms and stuff that are produced here, I can't often, I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's something mm. that I've watched, but the fact that I can't, I mean, if anyone asked me to sit down and watch an episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys, you can go and get <laughs> fucked. Um, I'm one of those people that's just like, that is an absolute pile of shit. Um, yeah. yeah, there's, there's not really... I, honestly mate i can't think of anything like, i i was a massive two pints of lager and a packet of crisps fan like that that was me back in the day that was my shit bbc3 yeah yeah coming, which apparently from the pub apparently bbc Three's coming back as a channel yeah oh, yeah which sick. i think is i think that's exactly what i need actually but, but it's, I, i've remembered now uh people just do nothing that was the last yeah i thought was great but that comes from I actually know those guys. They came and did a radio show of me 10 years ago before it was even a thing. No was, way. Yeah, when it was still a YouTube show, they actually came and did a radio show with us. Um, and the reason Mate, people that's just... Class. Yeah, the reason that came about um, was there was a documentary on BBC Three called Tower Block Dreams. And um, People Just Do Nothing was essentially uh, a spoof of it. Mm. It was pretty much just a, a parody of people have a uh, tower block dreams, which was a real documentary about a dickhead who used to run a pirate radio station. Um, I was going to say, you can see why yeah, <laughs> you can see yeah. why it was a parody. Um, but yeah, that, that was the last thing I really, really loved, but kind of, I, I had to love it because it was the scene that I'm from. And it was also people mm. that, I, that I'd met and done a, a radio show with and stuff. And yeah, those guys in real life were actually really, really cool and a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah. They're, they're really great. But yeah, that was, that was British wise. That was probably the last thing I can't, honestly think of anything else and even stuff that's on british tv you know i'm not i'm not a massive fan of a lot of the stuff that we we tend to have here unless it's like you know i i'm honestly more of a radio person i even mm. talk radio you know i'm more of a radio and podcast kind of person from you know especially from these shores so yeah i think you're right i think we are in a, a pretty bad place and something it's, get writing get writing is all i can say <laughs> yeah for sure um, um... I, yeah, I should say Fleabag was pretty exceptional, to be fair. Um, but it's not really an ensemble. Like, I just, it's, I guess, yeah, People Just Do Nothing probably was the, the last ensemble um, that I can think of, especially. I, I don't know why, I don't know why it's not really done more. There's so many avenues you can go down with more, like, if you have an ensemble cast, there's so many storylines you can explore. And that's why I think, the likes of Parks and Rec and the US office. Um, like I think that's why they're so good because you've got an A you've got an A storyline, you've got a B storyline, you've got a C storyline. And yeah. as long as A storyline is hooking people, B and C can do whatever the fuck they want. And because of that freedom, it takes you into so many different bizarre little story like stories. And it's, yeah, it's I think really the last, enjoyable. The last sort of British 
you know what, what I would call a British comedy. I would I wouldn't necessarily call it, and uh, it, it is a comedy, but it's also a tragedy. Was probably Afterlife. Yeah, uh, but that's not that's not the sort of direction that you're talking about. But yeah, that that for me was the last great thing I think that was produced here that I watched um, in terms of comedy, but also it, it is comedy, but it's also a very upsetting show. So I don't want yeah. to just just call it a comedy. But yeah, that was like the last thing I really watched where I was like. Okay, this is fucking great. Um, mm. But yeah, um, it, we got through season one. I think we we stopped watching season two because I I don't think you should have brought it back for season two. I think it should have been a really good, um, a really good standalone project. Kind of like it kind of tied up all the loose ends in season yeah, one, yeah. and with season two, it was like, okay, well, we know why you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been paid a lot of money from Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can't you, you can't blame anyone if they of get that kind not. of money. No, um, yeah, on, on on Netflix, I think we also did. Um, we binged The Crown over Christmas. Mm. We did we did all four seasons. We hadn't bothered watching it before, and then it was one of the ones. I was like, you know, everyone's raving about the latest season. Should we get onto it? And I find it very interesting that they didn't tend to have a problem with the first three seasons, but as, <laughs> as soon as Diana came into it. It yeah. seemed like, please make sure everyone knows this is fiction. Please yeah. just, just, just make an Oliver Dowden, who's technically my boss, actually, um, is um, the head of, uh, you know, digital <laughs> media and of, culture and whatever. Yeah. Um, he was like, we, you know, Netflix need to put a disclaimer on there to make sure that everyone knows it's not real. And it's just like, well, now all you're doing is making me think that it is that real when everyone was that shitty to Diana and Charles was that much of a prick. But, you know, it's like, yeah. um, I mean, in a sense, did I you, felt quite bad for see- Charles if it was that real, you know, that he, he was never really allowed to be with the woman he actually wanted to be with and they made him kind of be with Diana. If if that's how it works, I kind of think he had a bit of a shit deal himself, to be fair. But, <laughs> but yeah, we were fascinated by that show and I live really close to Buckingham Palace. So I remember one night we watched it and it was the episode where the guy uh, breaks into the palace. In. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were walking past one night, I think it was like New Year's Day or around then and we were looking at it just like, which way do you reckon he got in? You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's probably quite secure now. <laughs> yeah, I loved that episode because it, it kind of like have big old parallels with what like the sort of situation we're in now, like a yeah. lot of people unemployed. Um, yeah, I, I loved it because wasn't that was the episode where he broke in to basically say, "Can you do something about Thatcher?" Because yeah. <laughs> you're the head of this country, and this yeah. country is on its fucking ass. And yeah. I was just thinking like. Yeah, I wouldn't be against someone doing that right now. To be perfectly honest, yeah. I so, won't do it. No. <laughs> but he was—he was—he was really down on his. And, and it's interesting that it, that is based on a true story. But he says, yeah, uh, apparently that didn't. He, he's not really even sure what he said to the Queen at that point. <laughs> he, he, he said that, like you know, that's probably that was his. That, that those were his values at the time, and mm. that was what was was dragging him down at the time. And obviously his, his divorce and stuff. But yeah, he was like, yeah, I don't really remember. I was like mental <laughs> i don't really yeah. remember being i don't there. remember breaking into buckingham palace and speaking to the queen that's hilarious yeah um, i think it's been good though um it's i'm a little bit upset with season three and four because charles dance played lord mountbatten and i thought he would have been a perfect philip later on in life um, i said this yeah yeah, yeah. but but the guy who's playing Philip, I can't remember his name. It's um, he was also in Game of Thrones, actually, same as Charles Dance. Tobias. But, um, yeah. Um, 
yeah, I can't remember the rest of his name. Yeah, <laughs> this is really bad. I should yeah. know this. Um, but yeah, he's. I, I thought he was very good anyway. He, he grew on me as the seasons went on. Um, you know, yeah. in, three into four. But yeah, I, I kind of felt when I saw Charles dancing it, I kind of felt cheated that he wouldn't be in season five and six as as Philip. You know, so yeah, it's it's really I like me and Beth are not royalists at all. Um, no, no, far from. Yeah. But I, it's it does strangely humanize them doesn't it because yeah. like it's, it's weird. did you see um prince harry on cordon's yes um, yeah i did I watched that, yeah. that was interesting he said i'm kind of fine with the crown it's better than <laughs> the treatment me and my wife get from the papers like, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah and like it's crazy i was same as earlier, actually, I was on a meeting, I was on a call, um, Harry and Meghan got brought up and it was just like, I I cannot deal with the double standards that, considering how fucking many people in this country bang on about Princess Diana and her legacy, rightfully so as well, like what yeah, an amazing, yeah. what an amazing person, but for, for like the legacy that she's left with, like the media in particular, for the, the double standards going on right now with how they're treating Megan. If Megan was, if something was to happen to Megan tomorrow, the outcry would just be so hypocritical. Yeah. I can't fucking deal with it because it's like, no, you're, you're, this is like, oh, Megan's bullying people. Fuck that. You're bullying Megan. The funniest <laughs> like, thing was is, right is those reports came from like 2019 and mm. that may have even been 2018. Uh, and they've only surfaced now that this tv interview is coming out as we speak we're yeah. we're speaking this podcast is probably going to drop after the interview so that will be quite interesting um <laughs> yeah get me back but, on for that but yeah <laughs> but um like yeah as we speak this in this big interview of oprah is about to drop and it's one of those things where they're saying oh well uh they're really insensitive for doing this interview whilst philip's in hospital and it's like well no, no, they filmed no. it before Philip was in hospital. Um, so it doesn't count. And also they're contractually obliged by the network to, to put it out. It's not yeah. their decision. So, yeah, we, we live in Philip this being in time. hospital has got fuck all to do with Harry and Meghan. He, he's, died, he's died about eight times in the last year anyway. <laughs> like every Honestly, every time someone sends me, oh, apparently Philip's died. Like, you know, a WhatsApp group will pop up. Like, oh, apparently Philip's died. I'm just like, <laughs> that fucker's died like 20 times <laughs> since 1994. Like, ignore it. Like, he's not dead. It, there's no getting rid of him. It, Queen will be gone before he's gone. You know, like, it's just... But yeah, no, the crown, I thought... Um, I thought the crown was excellent. Um, the other thing we really enjoyed and we didn't think we were going to enjoy was the Queen's Gambit. Mm. Um, I, was, I don't know I, why. I, I don't know why I enjoyed it. I, I can't figure out why I really enjoyed it, but I was gripped. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Chess and drugs. I I haven't watched it. Um, Beth was like, uh, can we watch this? I was like, you can, because Beth's currently furloughed. So I was like, honestly, I don't think I'm going to get time to watch this slash want to watch this in the evening so if you want to watch it like watch your fellow then go ahead and she did and she absolutely loved it so yeah. i think i probably should watch it um but yeah and um, didn't anna taylor joy just win a golden globe for it i believe or, so am i yeah. mistaken yeah, no, I yeah. Believe she did yep yeah um apparently it's a, a brilliant series and it's got dudley from harry potter in is that right uh yes yeah he's yeah. in it actually yeah <laughs> he's actually <laughs> really good he's really good it took he, me a minute. It took me a minute. Sort of like, oh yeah, no, it is him. <laughs> <laughs> he is in a film called 
The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and that is on Netflix. And it's a Coen Brothers film. And he plays an, <laughs> uh, an armless and a legless man who is carried around in a box by Liam Neeson on horseback. <laughs> Liam Neeson... <laughs> Liam Neeson basically is a um he, he's it's kind of like come and see the freak show and Liam Neeson is his kind of like owner and I don't want to give too much away but it is so weird to see uh Dudley Dursley with no arms and legs being trailed around America by Liam Neeson befriending a chicken it's that that is as much as I'm gonna say because the ending is absolutely like fucking mad. Um and yeah, I, I recommend you watching that because it's I think it's about a 25, it's like a series of short films in one film. <laughs> and um yeah, Liam Neeson and I, I I I'm blanking on the guy's name. Um Harry Harry Dwelling or something. It's something yeah. Let me let me get this. But yeah, you should definitely check that out because it's very, very funny. Yeah, you've just rung my bell actually with with that that kind of plot line has reminded me anyway of a of a film we just watched. Uh, Harry Melling, there you go. Harry Melling, um, a film we just watched, which was uh, fuck. Now you've done me because I had it in my head and now I lost it. Um, Sorry, the fun, the fundamentals of caring we just watched. Loved it. Yeah, it was very similar to that where he was like taking a disabled guy across country. But if anyone hasn't seen the, the fundamentals of caring on Netflix. I was in stitches from like the first five minutes where the kid wills himself into the room, yeah. screaming his fucking head off. I With was Paul Rudd, in, right? Oh yeah, mate. The way he Genius. just wheels into the room. Ah! <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> just, that would be like, as a carer, that would be your worst nightmare as someone that's like that, that, you know, it has that much of a disability that all they do is scream and wheel themselves around a room. Um, it, like how, where do you even begin to look after someone in that yeah. position, you know? So that just watching that was my kind of humor. The fact that the kid is just, just so fucked up is it, it, brilliant. He's so brilliant. The lad in that used to be in Tracy Beaker. Oh, really? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So and now he's like starring opposite Paul Rudd. He's in um he's in Neighbours with Seth Rogen. Like it's he's done very, very well. Um yeah, man, I love that movie. That was so fun. Yeah, that um, was great. And at the end as well, where, where, you know, where he picks him up and stuff was like, yeah. That, yeah. That that for me, I just yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really, really funny. And yeah, we watched that and I like I I'm one of those people that I I belly laugh when it comes to films and stuff so um i think to the point of annoyance for joe actually so yeah i was cracking, <laughs> cracking up the whole way through uh you mentioned someone there seth rogan what is the deal with the seth rogan and the ashtray thing <laughs> yes it's such so an I, interesting I, twitter bio you've got all of this stuff and it's just like yeah also bought seth rogan an ashtray <laughs> what the fuck yeah it's it's possibly my best anecdote um so him and Charlie's Theron were in a film called Longshot, which I believe is also on Netflix. And that's really, really good fun. Um, and yeah, that was, I want to say May 2019, that was coming out. And we, the first junket we did for It's Gone Viral was, I was interviewing the cast of Fighting With My Family um, with, Stephen Merchant, Nick Frost, um, Florence Pugh, who is now Oscar nominated Florence Pugh. So we got in early there, uh, Jack Loden. And originally Lena Headey was supposed to be in it as well. 
and basically the concept was fighting with my family. Um, we're going to get the stars playing a wrestling game whilst Stephen Merchant interviews them. But Lena Headey couldn't make it. That's the doorbell, sorry. Uh, Lena Headey couldn't make it. And we got a text around two hours before saying, Lena Headey can't make it, I'm afraid. We're like, no worries, it's fine. I'll interview them, that's all good. And long story short, the interview went really well and it got like 200 to maybe 220,000 views. And Lionsgate were thrilled with it. And we were at a junket for another Lionsgate film. And they said, Yorick's gone viral. We loved that video of um, Stephen Merchant fighting with my family. Thank you so much for doing it. How do you feel about interviewing Seth Rogen? And I was like, right, okay. Seth Rogen's like pretty, he's basically my hero. Like the movies that he did in between 2006 to 2008, basically, basically kind of like just made me, basically just made me happy because I was like going through some shit. It was not nice. And his movies mean a lot to me, especially those ones in that time frame. Super bad and being one of them, I hope. Super, yeah, super bad, exactly. <laughs> I, super bad is obviously it's a film about um, like awkward high school kids going off to college. I was an awkward guy in secondary school about to go off to like our version of college. So obviously like 16 to 18. That's why I love super bad so much. Um, and so, yeah, they said, do you want to interview Seth Rogen? I was like, yeah. And they're like, Charlie Theron as well. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can do that. Um, and me being a massive fan of Seth Rogen, I, I realized that he was collecting ashtrays. Before he was doing pottery, he was collecting ashtrays. Now, if you follow Seth Rogen, you'll know that all he does is make pottery. Um, but before that, he was collecting ashtrays. So um, I was just like, this may be the only chance I actually get to see slash meet Seth Rogen. I, if me getting him uh, an ashtray and somehow represents what his movies have done for me, then I'm going to get him an ashtray. So yeah, uh, the interview went really well. And then it just sort of handed over this ashtray to him. And I was like, Seth, you don't have to keep this. This is probably incredibly weird for you, but I know you. I know you um, collect ashtrays, so I've got you one as to say thank you for all the movies you've done that have helped me get through some really difficult times. At which point I hear Charlie's Theron go like, oh, that is so sweet. I was like, this is happening. This is really fucking weird. Okay, Seth, here you go. Here's, here's the ashtray. And he was like, oh, I love it. Thanks so much. It was really sweet. Um, and I was like, Charlie's, I'm really sorry, but I don't have anything for you. But I can give a hug. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, let's have a hug. So I hugged, hugged Charlie's Theron really good hugger and then Seth Rogen was like oh I'll give you a hug as well thank you so much for this um yeah so it was it was like the most surreal 10 minutes of my life but I'm really pleased I did it because I was worried it would be a bit cringe and I was worried it would be a bit like oh come on but it wasn't on camera and I think that's sort of the that's the thing what's the worst he's gonna yeah. do is tell you to fuck off and we've done the, <laughs> we've done the interview now so <laughs> exactly quite... yeah but also like I never really want to do like too many like gimmicky things on camera because it's a bit like uh, I don't know. It it loses a bit of its um, a bit of its authenticity. I would say, like if I knew that I was being filmed giving Seth Rogen an ashtray, it'd be great to have like proof of it. But I think it would also be a bit like I'm very aware that like this is being filmed, and I don't know if that don't know if that like actually adds anything to it. I did get a really good one recently with Leslie Mann though. Um, she, I, I, we were still rolling. We had about 30 seconds left um, whilst I was rapping. I just told her that I loved, um, I loved her so much in Knocked Up when she says doorman. And genuinely when that scene in Knocked Up where she goes, doorman, 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 
that plays in my head every day. And I don't know why, I don't know why I think it's the amount of times I've seen knocked up, but it goes in my head and I can't stop it. And so I told her that and um, yeah, she was really great about it. And she gave me a, like my own doorman as well, which was probably, I don't think anything will ever really beat that. It's, it, it's been very weird, but then it, it kind of links back to what I was saying earlier, but like, I feel like if I didn't have my way of interviewing and if I did, and if I was, interviewing people about things that they didn't want to talk about or weren't there to talk about you don't tend to get that reaction and I just think that's I like I'm quite, I'm quite pleased and I'm quite proud of the sort of interviews I do because they are related about the film and that's the main thing you're there to sell the film but just by doing a shit ton of research and just by watching videos on YouTube you can uncover so many different angles to go about your interviews so like you can make them more personable as well like that, exactly that, that's man. the thing with doing yeah. stuff like sitting down for podcasts and things like that it's it's like uh, the first episode i did was um a, the guy's name si says and size basically he's a dj who used to play on the same radio station as me and he's 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 really made it like he's worked for some of the biggest labels in the world and he's traveled the mm. world and he's respected across the industry and blah 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 but i didn't want it the, the interviews come out really well, but I didn't want it to come out like an interview itself. I wanted it to be very personal, um, shared experiences, shared memories, um, and sort of like, you know, human as opposed to, so when did you first play in a club or, you know, the, you know, the generic bullshit. Like, yeah, like, we, we can hear that on any single other interview that you do. Like, or, you know, it's probably in your fucking Twitter bio. Do you know what I mean? Everyone knows what it is that you've done like you know when you can actually sit and ask something not necessarily out of left field but you know have a sort of a human discussion with someone i just think it makes for such better content 100 yeah 100 and like that's ultimately the the sort of content that people will be interested in um there is obviously like in in the situations that we like i end up doing junkets like my my job my remit is to get three minutes worth of funny, v- funny slash interesting slash heartwarming viral content, and in an interview space of six minutes before you have to go, like that's where that's where the like the that's where the stresses of it come. Um, but as you say, the, like if you are already knowledgeable and you already know a sort of angle you can go down, the, the like it. It's, I'm, I'm always more proud of the ones where I've been able to research like constantly or have spent a weekend researching, looking at YouTube videos, trying to find that link that links this question to this question that leads on to this interesting, different answer. I'm way more proud of those ones than I am of shit. I've got an interview tomorrow and I don't have enough time to prep because I just never feel as confident. Um, and you're, yeah, you're so right. But like, it, it that's the sort of content that people will like and yeah like it's it's nice that you've already got that relationship with the people you've got on the pod because you can get really interesting stories from yeah them, I, from I, I am looking, the bollocks. yeah i am looking to get other people and i don't necessarily know which is fine but um I, I, as i say i just i don't want it to be some formal you know 20 minute interview that really like what was the point do you know what i mean i'd rather not i'd rather not talk to someone famous for 20 minutes and actually talk to someone not as famous who's actually interesting for an hour and a half you know like yeah it, it just it, for me 
you know, I'm not really the, the video aspect of this stuff is it's not really going to be going up in its full entirety. And some friends have asked me about, you know, are you going to do four YouTube videos and stuff? And at the moment, I'm not planning on that. And the reason being is because this is this is long form. So I'm going to be taking you might have seen on Instagram today. I, I put up a minute and a half of the interview that I've done with Syed it's a teaser people look at that then they go and download the podcast and you're more likely to listen to audio whilst you're doing your, your government mandated hour of exercise outdoors or yeah. your housework or anything else and i know that because that's what i do you know i'll, I'll put stuff in to listen to I, i'm not necessarily going to sit and watch a two-hour youtube video i'll watch a five-minute clip and then listen to the entirety of the interview but yeah. I, I just you know people do have some short attention span so you've got a I think if you're going to create content that's visual it's got to be like what you do it has to be as you say you know that three minutes of something special sort of condensed into into a package that you know people aren't going to watch it and just suddenly go like uh, yeah exactly yeah and it's it is it is like it can be really really tough like the ones I really struggle with are um action movie action man then um wife who appears for 10 minutes whilst husband and action man goes and saves the day and i'm interviewing the wife because it's like because <laughs> <laughs> like what what can i ask you about like it and it's it's no fault of theirs no, at all it's no. a, it's a fault of the system it's a fault of that's hollywood like yeah. give me give me atomic blonde with um charlie's theron where like surely there has to be a movie coming out soon in this day and age where um yeah the wife is the one who goes and saves the world and the, it's actually yeah. the guy who's working from home as long as it's original and it isn't a remake of something else that like, there needs to be more original films with women leads i think like it, you know it will sound really stupid two blokes sitting here discussing women's cinema but I yeah think, of course yeah I, I think a big thing that would help is stop remaking stuff that was dudes and mm. cr let's let's create something let's you know like like charlie's angels was fucking great originally like because it was you know it was based around you know these three women that were fucking awesome like it's not it doesn't have to be a, a ghostbusters remake or you know mm. it doesn't have to be oceans eight you know like we, we, we've done this stuff you know let's let's create something more original and yeah 100 there's and that's some stuff I mean. coming out and there's some there's some stuff that i've watched recently with some great female leads and i'm just like there's a there's a series i've just watched with um and it's going to bug me because it's one of the biggest shows on netflix at the moment and it's it's basically all about two women that have grown up together i'm good oh I'm uh firefly lane firefly lane fucking yeah. fantastic um but it's like it's an original show with female leads. It's yeah. really, really, really good. Like me as a 33 year old white geezer can enjoy it the <laughs> hell out of it with no problem at all. Like I don't think there's necessarily a problem with selling female leads. I just think that, no. um, you know, I just think that, you, you know, we can't do remakes of everything. One, one film exactly. that was, um, it was great recently that we watched that is a, a super super female lead um was i believe it was called can you ever forgive me it was melissa mccarthy it yes was really, that was really, brilliant wasn't it? yeah oh my god wow if if anyone's actually a fan of melissa mccarthy's comedy but has never seen her in a serious role watch that film because it, i say that but even then she was still very funny in it as well there yeah were some really she, great scenes but I her swear and, she just her can't and, not be funny yeah her and richard e grant the chemistry there for me was fantastic i really really mm. really enjoyed that film a lot um 
So yeah, I think she was nominated for an Oscar for that. She was. Like, she was nominated for an Oscar for it. Yeah. She's she um, lost out to. She's incredible. I think she lost out to Olivia Coleman that year. Yes. Yeah. For the favorite. Yeah. Um. And like this, actually, I I don't think that the new Bond should be a woman, and it's nothing to do with like. It's, it's nothing to do with like we're not ready for it or it shouldn't happen. The reason why I think like, oh, it's like, I do not think, oh, it's a man's role. I don't, the reason why I don't want a, a woman to be Bond is because it doesn't actually solve the problem. No. Because in what, five years time, they're just going to go back to getting a, a white chap to play Bond, right? Let's Let's take everything good about Bond and start a brand new franchise. Maybe it's 006, maybe it's 008, maybe it's 009 with a strong female character as the spy, as the main person. Fucking hell, start that franchise. Because yeah. if you do, if, if Bond is a woman, that's that's a, that's a lovely little, it's, it's a bit like, it's a, it's a lovely PR move, but it doesn't solve the problem. No. Like start, I said it earlier, like Atomic Block, is a brilliant, brilliant action movie um, starring Charlie Theron. I could watch, I could watch more of her character in like in multiple sequels. And there needs to be, we have countless Bonds, like not just the men who play Bond. I mean, like, we have countless similar people to Bond, like um, Jason Bourne, like James Bond. Um, Gerard Butler in Olympus has fallen. We have so, <laughs> like we have so many opportunities that in in that aspect, but I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I wouldn't be able to name you five female action heroes. Yeah, I could name you twenty five male action heroes, and that is why having a female Bond doesn't solve the problem. But there one hundred percent needs to be like those roles available to women but start a new franchise to do it because that is the way it's going to change yeah like, i mean you're always going to sell you, you know wonder woman's always going to sell and yeah um you know scarlett johansson's always going to do well as, as black widow and in the spin-off and yeah. stuff like that kind of stuff is is always as part of a larger franchise but yeah there's there's absolutely room for it um there's, of course there's there is. like there's if there's been room for fifth what um i want to i want to say 50 years of bond I, yeah. I might be wrong if there's if there's room for 50 years of bond there is fuck me believe me there is room for another 50 years of a female-led <laughs> action hero yeah as um, i say my thing is just just stop with just remaking stuff because it just gives there's like it just automatically sets an unfair precedent because for me like People, that there was that weird time period where if you said that the remake of Ghostbusters was shit, like you were some sort of woman hater, but mm. no, I just didn't like it. And the reason I didn't like it is because fucking Bill Murray is one of the greatest human <laughs> beings of all time. Dan Aykroyd's amazing. How, like that, all of them were absolutely outstanding. And the, and those two Ghostbusters movies, a complete genius. They're masterpieces. I love them. For me, I don't want to see a remake of that. You know, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily want to see a remake of, I don't know, the Power Rangers movie. You know, like I don't, there's so much stuff that- For you, different you know, reasons. Yeah, well, yeah. But there's there's so much stuff that you don't want to see just another rehash of. And to try and do it and completely change the dynamic like that, I don't know. It's It works in some senses in, in some things like comedy, like, you know, 
you know, Bridesmaids is is kind of seen as like the female version of The Hangover. Um, yeah. Bridesmaids is fucking great, you know, and and it it's stands one of my favorite yeah, comedies of all you can, time. You I can hold it up movie. against you can hold it up against The Hangover, and they're both brilliant films. But you know, it's like. I don't know with 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 the remakes and stuff I'm I'm just kind of bored of it like I'm done <laughs> I don't want to see another remake put women in good films like give them something original and and, let, and you know give them the ball and let them run with it don't put that shit on remakes all the time it's just crap I think um yeah originally like I remember studying it in film studies in college I think the reason why they was um slated because I I was studying film studies 2008 to 2010 and it was at the time of a recession where cinemas and movie studios could count on um, they could count on people going to watch superhero movies and they could count on people going to see remakes. And that was basically what was funding <laughs> and keeping cinemas open. Yeah. It's great. Now, what's what's the reason? Like, what is what is the reason? It, it, like we're probably gonna have to do even more now we're in an even deeper recession but like yeah it was uh it was very i'm i'm completely with you there needs to be more originality and there needs to be it just needs to be such a reliant on on those types of movies because like i i know you're a massive mcu fan and like i think what they've done is incredible like it's a it's genius it genuinely is genius what they've done I think phase four is going to be really interesting. Mm. But I think I'm, I'm always at a point now where it's like, do, can we just leave it for like 10 years? Yeah. I'm also, I'm also wary again of, of remakes. So um, Blade, the remake is going to be like PG or 12. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what's the fucking point? Like, what yeah. is the point? Like, yeah. you know, when you've got, Deadpool out there doing what Deadpool's doing. There's absolutely no reason a superhero film can't be rude, gory, you know, <laughs> to the point to, to the point of barely being an 18, you know, <laughs> like you know, Blade was amazing. Like Blade was absolutely like the original Wesley Snipes Blade was just like wow. And I I, I want to see it done justice if you're going to remake it, but mm. you can't you can't lower the bar like that. You you know you if they can do it i'll eat my words i will happily eat my words but i don't know man i don't know We're trying to make a you know a, a child-friendly blade it's not for me it's not for no. me. yeah the next phase will be interesting um there will be some pretty cool films coming out um you know as as, as far as you know the the phase that just ended nothing for me really probably tops ant-man in all honesty because <laughs> you know, i'm just paul rudd's my guy but ant-man for me was just I, I just loved it and the second one um i thought it was fantastic so but yeah i mean i'm interested to see what happens with the next lot should mm. be should be cool i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure it'll be great and i'm sure yeah. they'll knock it out of the park but yeah i'm i'm just dubious with you know remakes of of blade i mean it, in a sense it is a long time coming and i get why they're doing it but yeah i don't know yeah i'm with you i i think um i think black widow will probably be the strongest the strongest um arm of the of the of phase four um I, I think that's kind of going to kick everything off and it'll be really interesting to see the reaction from that have you um, watched uh one division yet i haven't no i mean I'm, I'm i'm saving it till it's kind of like done and then i'll just sit and watch it all <laughs> that's not that chat. i mean i'm i'm not a massive mcu fan 
in general but like like i said i massively admire what they've done it's, it's beyond genius what they've done um to cinema but yeah i'm like i said i'm a little bit done with it but i know that's a very unpopular um, opinion <laughs> <laughs> working in this industry no i think um, it's i think it's good that we've you know avengers was two years ago and we've not really had a big marvel film since you know it's kind of yeah it is a little bit of a decent break, but yeah, I'm, I'm, apparently WandaVision's brilliant, but I, as yeah. I say, I'm going to leave, the, again, I'm still going to leave breather room for it and, and go back to it when people aren't talking about it as much. Um, but yeah, I, I do love a good superhero film, but yeah, it's um, it's nice to not not have them around as much at the moment. Um, although, given, given the situation we've just been in, maybe a few new movies wouldn't have hurt. I mean, there has still been some good stuff that's come out. Um, yeah. But I'm, the last film that we went to see at the cinema though was probably Invisible Man, and I'm not really. Oh, what a film! Yeah, I'm, uh, but I don't want that to have been the last film I went to see. <laughs> when Bond was around the corner, um, yeah. and Mulan was around the corner as well, I was like, oh, those are two films I really want to see in the cinema. But yeah, Invisible Man, I thought yeah, it was yeah, that was fantastic. The scene at the that dinner table so just done me. I was just like, whoa, shit. Yeah. Um, right at the yeah. end, God, yeah. Completely Fantastic. weird, but yeah, it's a great film. Really great film. Another thing we saw, I can't remember how long before lockdown it was, um, but it wasn't too long before, was Jojo Rabbit. Oh my God, yeah. yeah Beautiful. I thought that was absolutely out of this world. It I was like, killed I was, me. Yeah, absolutely I was, killed I was me. just like really moved by it when we watched it. And it just, it, you know, it's it was so funny, but so dark and haunting at the same time. It was yeah. just... That the, the but the little kid the, the 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 little kid with the glasses that's just you know the Nazi his 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 friend is just fuck me what a character that kid was wow it's so good I god yeah I I don't know what it was I think it was um I was keeping it together and then um, Bowie comes in at the end doesn't he we yeah. we can be heroes and we start dancing I was just like no I'm fucking done <laughs> I'm going <laughs> uh, tears are tears are falling um yeah that was. Oh, what a movie. What a movie. Um, Taika Waititi is just a genius. Yeah, really <laughs> he's is. so good. Really is. Um, he, he's, he's, he's actually one of the reasons that I think he's one of the people, one of the key players in improving the MCU as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he's been great. Um, Did you like Ragnarok? Yeah, I thought it was probably the best out of the three, four movies, to be honest. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think out of the, out of the Thor movies, I would agree. Um, yeah. Now... What do you think about Logan? Because I am very much of a minority, but I don't think Logan is as good as everyone says it is. And that concludes this episode of the Over the Hill podcast. <laughs> you love it, don't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was great. I've only watched it once. Um, it could be right. an argument that I might need to watch it a couple of couple more times. Sometimes that happens with me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I watched it and I really enjoyed it. Um, I it's up there with some of my favorite superhero movies um, or mm -hmm. comic. I, I say superhero movies. I'd also just say comic book movies because the best for me is Joker um, by a country mile. Wow. Um, but yeah, but yeah, no Logan, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I didn't, the, uh, there's the two other Wolverine films. There was the origins one, which I also quite enjoyed. Um, and I didn't, <laughs> isn't Will I am in that. He is indeed. Yeah, he is indeed. Yeah, um, hit Will I Am, and obviously Ryan Reynolds was he, he yeah. was he was Deadpool in it, but not quite Deadpool. It was really quite bizarre. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, the, the one in the middle, the Wolverine film in the middle, I, I wasn't too fussed about that. But but Logan, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I haven't really enjoyed some of the latest X Men films. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with X Men now. Things are, are changing over at actual Marvel. But um, but yeah, I enjoyed Logan. Um, but yeah, for me, the the best one is is Joker, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that will be beat. What did you think about like the whole discourse about? joker being released because i i i said at the time i said at the time there was all this sort of furore about you know um well joker's gonna convince um white males to go out and commit violence and stuff and i'm like well i watched game of thrones and i didn't fuck my aunt on a dragon so (laughs) there's no that that stuff to me was just such bollocks it was complete and utter bollocks um Joker, I I think is a masterpiece. Um, I said it at a time when I went to see it. I I was blown away by it. Um, I, I I can't say a bad word about that film. I honestly can't. And I've watched it. Mm. I, w- I went to see it with Joe the day it came out. We went to one of those Lux cinemas with, you know, like the big the big recliners and stuff. And fuck, I miss them. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Um, we yeah, so we went to one of those, and then a couple of days later, I was it was my day off, and I booked a ticket because I've got a Curzon cinema just around the corner from me. Um, so I booked a ticket at a Curzon in the middle of the day and went around and just had like posh popcorn and, and a beer and just and watched it again. And I was like, yeah, this film is fucking great. <laughs> There's no there's no two ways around it and yeah i think that the bad press and stuff it was it i think a lot of it was just for clout like i think a lot of people yeah. were just saying shit to get clicks on their articles that you know we're, we're we're 18 months on from joker being released and i don't know anyone who's gone on a random killing spree and tried to kill a tv host just yet so yeah you know yeah. <laughs> i know i'm <laughs> i know it's it's mad i think like it it really boiled some piss when when Joaquin Phoenix won the Oscar as well. It really boiled a lot of people's piss, and they were really upset about it. And I'm quite happy about that. Fuck you. <laughs> I thought he was. I thought he was great. It's certainly um, it's certainly worthy of an Oscar winning um performance. I yeah. I mean, there this like clickbait is like another just absolute cancer, isn't it? But like, I yeah. It was to me. It was bizarre. Like it's just the idea of having like guarded police and armed police in cinemas when you can go and buy Grand Theft Auto from Tesco but not have release. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, there's no double standards there. But I think with Joker in general, like I what I loved what I love about that movie so much is like you get played just as the Joker wants you to get played because there are so many points where you think, oh come off it. This is ridiculous. No, he's not related to Oh, and then it comes to a point you're like, oh, I've been played. And that is brilliant. That makes complete sense. Because there were so many points, like we we were, I'm just going to sound, um, going to sound arrogant, but me and Beth were invited to the, uh, to the pre-release uh, screening. And that was, that was amazing. Um, felt very lucky to be doing that. But me and I was like saying to Beth, like, oh, this is, this is a joke. Like, like Batman and the Joker, they're not really. No, they're not related. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, carry on. No, this is genius now. Because uh, like, there's so many, there's so many rabbit holes. He, Todd Phillips, sends you down, which make you think, no, this is bizarre. This is this is stupid. How has this got passed? And yeah, then it turns out that you're actually being played. 
as the Joker would want you to. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, the great. fact that the, the fact that you kind of end the movie not really it, it almost had that American Psycho thing about it, where you end the yeah. movie sort of like not really knowing. Hang on a minute, is he really the Joker? Did that really happen? What the fuck? Um, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think that's the, I think that's his origin story, and I think you know yeah. he's he's locked up, and yeah, I think I think he did that shit. Um, yeah, yeah I it's think so. making it sound like a, a Netflix murder documentary, but um, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, the uh, the scene where he he tops his mum was just cold, so cold blooded. Um, it just it, literally even from the teaser trailer, like the 20 second teaser trailer. Uh, and I saw Joaquin, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm in. And then mm. when I started to see the actual trailers, I was counting down the days till I got to go and see that movie. I was just, I was obsessed with seeing it and it delivered. It's very, it's very rare that that happens as well, where you, you're absolutely hell bent on seeing something. And then it just, when you do get around to it, it's like, Oh yes, it was yeah. everything I wanted and more. And yeah, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's my favorite superhero film of all time. It's up there. Wow. With, um, Dark Knight, yeah, Dark Knight's probably the other one. Um, and as I say, for 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 comedy value and and for the fact that it makes me smile, Ant Man's probably third. Um, because <laughs> I, I, just, uh, I just, I just, yeah, well, Deadpool. Again, it, it, it's just as I say, I don't know why you have to pussyfoot around with so many of these superhero films when Deadpool mm. went and done what it done and ended up grossing. So I think until Joker came out, I think Deadpool was the highest grossing comic book movie yeah. of all time. So, uh, but then again, that shows with Joker. I, I, I think a lot of the people who tried to stir up shit about Joker and speak in on it and talk, it was like some kind of weird, creepy incel movie or what, like there, there was so many different angles of people just trying to chat shit. All they did was made loads more people go and see it. Yeah, of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> That's all yeah, that yeah. happened. It's, it's something I, I, like one of the most profitable movies ever made because they made it on because it was yeah it, it cost it like nothing a billion yeah. yeah and like i think that's what um i was listening to todd phillips talk about um how they how they persuaded uh whacking phoenix to do it i think it was from alex zane he's a bit of a hero of mine i love alex zane i want his job <laughs> and um yeah todd phillips basically said to whacking phoenix like ignore the fact that this is called Joker and see this as we will be able to make an art house film under the guise of a superhero comic book movie, yep. because we're going to be able to get away with so much stuff because it's a comic book movie. We're going to be able to push so many buttons and we're going to create this, we're going to be able to create this really dark art house movie using the the fame that joker the character of the joker has and i believe that's what um that's what sold it to him which you can see why because that's exactly what they did yeah it, it, it's 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 an incredible film i mean a friend of mine who's is a he's a massive sort of batman and joker fan i, I wrote a, like a mini sort of review on my instagram of, of the film because of, i thought it was that good and um he messaged me and said well fuck me i've got to go and see it after i've just read that um uh, and yeah he he messaged me it was about 11 30 at night and he said what the fuck have i just watched and i went what mm. he went i went to see joker and i went and he went mate that was like the best thing i've ever seen he's like visually the cinematography he said like it wasn't even a superhero film he said it wasn't it was like a dark psychotic dude who like descends into madness like again it, it had parallels of american psycho for me the whole way through um yeah. and you know uh 
king of comedy and stuff like that king as well because he was, and you know it, it had that influence in it obviously it was yeah. so many scenes in it even you know even just down to the set and stuff like that was was very much a yeah. a tribute like to that movie yeah De Niro basically played <laughs> the he played the yeah. character that he was in the yeah. other film yeah so um yeah no that was god i love that film as well king yeah Cody's very so underrated good. film and honestly let's be honest anything with De Niro in it anything made by scorsese like yeah. it's gonna be a masterpiece and it? it's not like... <laughs> apparently king comedy bombed it was like it did um, yeah it really did it was it like, was it wasn't big at all it wasn't big no at all. Which but is, neither yeah. was there's there's been a lot of films like that throughout history and um one you'd always look back on is, is Shawshank Redemption. You'd be surprised that was yeah. a flop when it came out. <laughs> but now yeah. it's like we all sit there and go, Wow, Shawshank Redemption. Oh my god. It's a, but it's a masterpiece. Yeah, at the time no one gave a fuck. Like apparently I was reading about this and apparently it's like it's because it's set in a prison and audiences didn't like the fact that you were there for two and a half or it's, it's just shy of like two and a half hours. Mm in a prison and so it felt like a real prisony experience because yeah. you can't escape it and obviously a lot of shit happens um but yeah my god sure shank what a film um, yeah a great film a really great film uh stephen king i think was the one that wrote it right i think it was a stephen king story yeah, yeah. short a short novel um i love stephen king he did it he apparently he does this thing where he writes stories for students to turn into movies he calls them like they're his one million dollar babies or something it's it's really yeah he, he will write he'll come up with an idea and he'll write enough of it down for it to be a short story and then we'll give the license and the rights to yeah um people making like um people learning how to be filmmakers to go make it jesus what a guy yeah that's 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 just like the definition of paying it forward i suppose isn't it it's just <laughs> but when you yeah. get to a position like stephen king it's just like you know I, I mean what's that the guy's net worth it's got to be pretty fucking insane right you don't you don't need to accumulate any more cash so you might as well just you know well, so that's a jk rowling right well, yeah, <laughs> uh, they, uh, they, she's just far too controversial to discuss on this podcast at this point in time, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want Spotify to chuck me off at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, five, $500 million he's worth. Probably. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so at some point, you know, I mean, what would that figure be for you? The, the figure where you just say, all right, I'm done. I don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the, the next angle of the show where it's called socialist simon's <laughs> <laughs> budget cuts i personally don't think any individual in the world needs to earn more than one million pounds a month because i think if you can get to the end of a year where you have earned 12 million pounds which is a million pounds a month you that is the exact amount of money you would never need to worry about anything like it it baffles me that we live in a society where like people can't like, people don't think they'd be able to live on something like that. If someone said to you, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you a million pounds a month for the rest of your life, at some point, someone will think that's not enough. I can't live I can't live on that. It's weird, isn't it? it, it it's, it's, so it's a weird. very weird thing. And it, I, I think it kind of just speaks to the greed of humans. And yeah. I, I do get the, I do get the sort of, cause you know, I'm quite aligned with you, you know, I'm a bit of a socialist at heart and I do believe in, in, you know, more wealth equality and stuff like that. But yeah. 
I do get the reason why you do need to have, you know, your entrepreneurs who run these big businesses and stuff like that. But I just think there comes a point and I don't know what that point is. And, you know, I probably never will know. I will probably never know, but I just, I think it just comes to a point where you don't need any more shit. Like you just stop. You don't need yeah. that stuff, you know, like, and, and it's not just that you don't need that shit, but you don't need to also not pay the percentage of your tax way. that you're yeah, supposed exactly. to be paying like you've got say you've got like two billion pounds and your bank your, your you know your tax bill for this year is a hundred million pounds next year you're going to make that hundred million pounds back and then some anyway so it just paid a hundred mil like what the fuck is your problem <laughs> you know yeah well, and because you're just sitting on it as well and a lot of them don't even have kids so i'm just like <laughs> what the fuck yeah. and it's mad it, yeah it's the worst it's possibly the worst thing in the world at the moment is just the massive inequality. distribution of inequality, inequality of wealth. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Well, um, it's just, I don't, as I say, that at some stage there has to come a point where you just go, eh. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I think we were so close to that point when um, Labour lost the election in 2019. I think, oh, like in the grand scheme of things, we weren't that close because obviously, like they got like the Tories ended up with like an eighty seat majority. But uh, twenty seventeen wasn't it something like Corbyn was only three thousand votes away? Yeah, from two two thousand three hundred something in certain <sighs> seats. Yeah, it was crazy. So close, man. And you know, like I I, I can't sit here and and one hundred percent say that Jeremy Corbyn is a, a not a good person. He's a good person, but I can't sit here and say he's a good politician because I, I think there's a lot of flaws in his methodology. And I do think that there was a lot of him being unable to deal with conflict. I don't think he's a great leader, um, mm. but I think he had some great ideas. Um, and, you know, <laughs> the shit fit that everyone had when we raised corporate, when he wanted to raise corporation tax. And then yesterday, Rishi Sunak announced that he was going to raise it to higher than the level that Jeremy Corbyn was proposing. It was fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, and it's just like, hilarious to me, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's been wrapped up in Tory packaging. Yeah. Like that's it's literally it. That's, that's literally, literally it. it. It's, it's completely, it's completely viable and it's completely respected when the Tories put their stamp on it. Because the newspapers it. are behind them. So if you look yeah, back course, throughout yeah. history, um, the UK has never had a prime minister that Rupert Murdoch didn't approve of. Not since not since the Sun and the Times became big. Yeah. Um, so since, yeah, you know, 60s or 70s or whatever, every single prime minister has had the backing of Rupert Murdoch, which is why you had so many years. Yeah. Thatcher, then you had John Major, and then Tony Blair was a friend of Rupert Murdoch's like they they had their, their their club it's a big club you're not in it I'm not in it and you know the only way you're going to be in it is is to is to be approved by him so uh you know Corbyn was the first person with the hung parliament was the first person to kind of put the wind up it and then they spent the next two years doing absolutely everything they could to shit on every member of parliament from Labour and yeah. to and to you know talk about Labour as if it was you know, this, this anti-Brexit party and stuff like that. And the, the, the funniest thing about it is, is Jeremy Corbyn the entire time has been a Brexiter. He's wanted to leave the European Union since the seventies. He never was, he never was pro-Europe. So mm. um, yeah, we, we, we've gone through some bizarre times over the last few years and it shows no sign of ending. And I think the only thing that any of us can do is just try to make the best out of it as possible and, yeah, and sure. try and have as much fun as we can. And yeah, you know, going back to, you know, full circle to where we started the, the pod, I, I do think better days are coming at least in terms of slightly getting back to normal you know i hope so man and i think that's possibly why we all feel so 
down at the moment is because it's like we're being yeah we're being governed by like corrupt liars but we're also not actually able to escape it and when yeah. you can't go and meet your mates in the park or indeed the pub because we all know how much we love the pub um it's i think that's why it feels so heavy on us at the moment yeah. um what do you think of what do you think of starmer it's a whole other podcast um <laughs> I'm I'm not hopeful, not hopeful at all. Really? Um, yeah, I don't think he's necessarily a bad person, but um, I think he's shit. I don't, you know, I'll vote for him <laughs> because what other choice do we fucking have? Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, he's you know, he's. I think he's going about a lot of things the wrong way. He's alienating a lot of people. Um, I, I really don't understand this need to have flags in every fucking. Video that he puts out, um, you know, yeah. pe- pe- people that are racist are not going to vote for Keir Starmer. Um, so there's no point trying to play up to them. Uh, I think a big problem that Labour have got and a Labour will have is, at least for this generation, we live in a country where, and you know, I'm sorry if this applies to you and you're listening to the podcast, but we live in a country where a lot of people have had a lot for a long time, um, and anyone who f- who, you know, gets told that society is still quite a racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic place to live. Um, They don't necessarily feel that giving people equality is the right thing to do because they feel like something's being taken away from them. Yeah. I I feel like with people in the Labour Party and on the left in general, um, you know, they are very pro progression and stuff like that. And that's great. And I, and I, it's, it's a value that I agree with. Um, But, you know, you have to understand that the majority of the UK isn't ready yeah they're upper working to middle class white people who you know just aren't interested in learning the concepts behind uh privilege and and stuff like that and they think that by offering the chance to to sort of educate people more on on real underlying institutional racism and things like that they think that that house somehow takes away from them and and partly it does and you know it goes back to that pub culture of you know people want to sit in the pub not not us but a lot of people want to sit in the pub and they want to like use homophobic slurs and they want to use racial slurs they want to call the barmaid love and don't understand why they get called up on it now yeah and and you know and uh, are not even willing to understand why some people might find that upsetting i mean on the last podcast i just did with with dj bq we were talking about i said i'm not a particularly woke as fuck person um but like i understand the concepts behind why people get upset about stuff and it's like you know we live in a weird country where and it's partly driven by the media um where people seem to think that by giving equal rights to other people that somehow take something away from you. I mean, you look at gay marriage, for example, right? There were people that were vehemently against gay marriage in this country. Mm. What the fuck has it got to do with you? Like Mm. what the actual fuck has it got to do with you? And that's my point. By them people having the right to get married, that doesn't make those people over there not have the right to get married. It just means you're giving them the same thing that you've already got. But that's like yeah. a weird psychological thing we have in this country where, you know, the upper working class and the middle class and the uppers and whatnot, they can't grasp that concept. They, they, they just, for them, equality, when you live in a position of privilege, equality feels like oppression. Uh, and mm. that's that's the bottom line. And that's why um, 
you know, Keir Starmer's trying all this stuff with the flags and things like that and trying to make out that he's one of the lads or whatever sort of thing. And that's why Boris Johnson does so well, because people think that he's this bumbling oaf who says some racist stuff and has said homophobic stuff and whatnot. And he's one of us. We go to the pub, you know, and maybe that's why this whole pub thing is such a big deal in the House of Commons now. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. How's Starmer it's, sitting it's with you? Um, I loved, loved Corbyn. Um, I'm with you, but I don't think he would have been, I don't think he's necessarily a great leader. I think what he did was essentially he told the truth and he... I think he's a good he, leader of people. I don't necessarily think yeah, he's a good oh, leader yeah. in, in a sense of his own party. He galvanised a, he galvanised a group of people in, in young students who've never been asked to vote before. And he, the reason why he was able to connect with them is because what he was saying is true. Like, the, the reason why we have a under, criminally underfunded NHS, NHS is because the Tories don't care. They're trying to sell it off. And um, you paying 20% tax is, quite frankly, an outrage when you've got Jeff Bezos paying 1% tax. Like, that is that is fundamentally true. I will argue till I'm blue in the face and my opponent is blue in the face that people like Jeff Bezos should be paying more tax because you have... Uh, you've benefited. What, what surprise! You're a, you're a straight white male. You've benefited in this system that works for you. Now it is your turn to give back, and it's criminal that they don't. So I loved Corbyn in the sense of what he said was true. Starmer, I think, up until three months ago, I was on board with what he was doing. Realistically, he, it's it's really odd, right? He identifies as a socialist, and I've looked at his voting record and. I see a, I see a bit of a centrist, but I see more of a socialist with his voting record. Where I've come unstuck with him recently is when he took over, he said, we don't really need to change much about the Labour Party. We just need to, like the manifesto was good. We need to tighten it up. Uh, it's what people want to hear. Um, in the last three months, it's like he's kind of forgotten that and he's started chasing as you say, the, the racists and the bigots trying to get them on board with the Labour Party. You're never going to they're never going to vote for Labour, as you say. Right. Now, I deep down, I really hope that he's true to his word and he is a socialist. The reason why I think he didn't he voted against or abstained from voting about against corporation taxes, if he'd have voted for it. Murdoch and co would have had an absolute field day. Yeah. I think he's trying to play the long waiting game of, look, in the four years I've been Labour leader, you haven't been able to throw anything that stuck to me. Yeah. And I think, I think, and I hope that is the reason why he is, I think that's why he's playing it cautiously. Because if he's, yeah. if he's like Corbyn in the sense that, um, hey, these are my values, and they are completely opposite to the likes of Murdoch, who is trying to brainwash you. You are Corbyn is going to get fucking attacked. Starmer isn't being attacked. Yeah, I do think and, with, with with Corbyn there was never any compromise on his face, exactly. which, which I respect. But oh, one hundred percent, that isn't you're a not going to win though. No, exactly. that isn't a way to win. Yeah. And and yeah, you know maybe start. Uh, well, I say maybe Starmer is playing a long game. That's fine. Yeah, he is. He um, is. But you know, we will see. We will see what happens in the future. Speaking of the future, what's what's next for you? And uh, and it's gone viral. <laughs> uh, oh, good question, mate. Um, 
hopefully staying in a job <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest um yeah um junkets. you can always retrain you know you can retrain as a <laughs> as, as a something you know whatever <laughs> yeah that's true Didn't, we've all conveniently um, forgot that that shit happened eight months ago as well aren't we you know? oh my god what a, fucking, <laughs> what a disgusting thing. didn't liam gallagher like he did it and um he was like told he should have been a brookie or something it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> um but yeah, I guess like just more of the same, really. I'm like, I feel really good about like the progression I've made in my, I don't like using the word career because it's cringy as fuck. Yeah. But um, it's, yeah, I feel very lucky to be doing what I'm doing. I always, I've been learning about growth mindsets at the moment, which is basically when you, um, you, you basically just keep on pushing because you want to learn a new skill or you want to do something better. Um, and I feel like, I'm, I feel like I'm ready to make the leap onto like TV and stuff if the opportunities are there. But I'm also very content in the sense that I have a great job and I, I just love, I, deep down, I just love doing what I'm doing and I feel more at peace. It's really weird. I feel more at peace with a nine to five doing something that I love than I did trying to scramble up and get as many take as many opportunities as possible and i don't i don't know why i don't know why that is it's really it could odd. be structure a lot of people don't handle the structure of yeah a lot of people don't handle it too well with regards to you know uniform stability and stuff like that but it's something i absolutely have to have i mean you know right. i've got i've got a friend who's um he's going to come on the podcast at some point but he's really he's like a horse racing expert and he gives a lot of tips for gambling and stuff like that and he's got people that he's on he's he's blown up somehow on tiktok he's like the only horse racing person on tiktok and for that Brilliant. reason he, he's been able to launch his own brand over the last couple of months and he, he's he's absolutely yeah he's absolutely killing it but he has this like this structure that's just it isn't like you know he'll be up at four in the morning and he'll do a load of work he'll sleep for a couple of hours he'll get up and do it and he's very much all over the place and he's doing that whilst he's got a kid and stuff and you know doing this podcast he's sort of I, I actually, I've edited some content and stuff from before, audio-wise, because I'm pretty savvy with with that based on, you know, years of DJing and radio and productions yeah, yeah. and stuff. So, um, and he's talking to me this morning about, you know, coming and working for him, you know, and, you know, him actually hiring me and stuff. And I'm like, yes, in a part-time sense, but I couldn't give up my day job, which is, it's eight to four, <laughs> not nine to five, but I couldn't give that up and go and work doing the freelance stuff like that because I need that structure and i feel more at peace with that structure rather than working around all these crazy hours and different appointment times and stuff like he would so i i get what you're saying there's there's definite um it's one thing that i've struggled with in in this second lockdown especially you know like all right my my first meeting's not till two o'clock today for example first meeting's not till two o'clock what the fuck do i do till then you know i've got no other work on like i need yeah i've got no reason to get out of bed and that's where problems can start arising so yeah no right. ha having having a structure i think is is very very important so that could be a reason why you feel a little bit more at peace as, and you're not doing shifts as well you know you're not doing like oh you're doing an evening in in, in, a, yeah. in a restaurant or a coffee place and i or you know you, you know i've got to do the 6 a.m to 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 lunchtime shift and then you know tomorrow i'm doing the evening you know it's like when you've got that routine, I think it's, it helps to maintain the, the, the normality and, and, you know, your, your actual productivity levels as well. I think so. Yeah. And like, I, it's really weird because I, I don't think my biggest fear when it comes to that is I don't want it to be conceived as a lack of ambition because I think both me and you are very ambitious, but 
I also like I just know how um not I don't know if insecure is the right word but how like you know when you're like scrambling around to try and get as many different things as possible like it's you're putting yourself out there and it's really pretty tough to take like when they say like you gotta have thick skin to do any sort of like media or like show business stuff it's absolutely true because you put yourself out there you get uh you get laughed out of the room you get like uh ridiculed and now especially online you can look at comments and you're just like oh, i didn't need to see that cheers I don't get, read I get the quite comments, a lot of them. <laughs> do not um, read the comments never it's always the top gear lot we do quite a lot of videos with top gear and the top gear fans fucking hate me it's really funny <laughs> yeah. um but yeah it's 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 weird like i, I just I, I really like i really like the fact that i've been able to build up the contacts and the content i've done as a full-time job and i would much rather continue doing that than go back to uh being worried about when the next big gig is for me i think that's ultimately what it is um but yeah um yeah i i love love doing what i'm doing um i've worked hard to do it um it's it's crazy to think that me and beth moved to london like five just over five years ago and like it yeah it's i'm so so lucky to be doing what i'm doing um it's just it's weird it's 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 weird how you i think if you if you bet on yourself then and and if you work hard on it then you don't really need to don't really need to worry because you i think at some point it does sort of level out it's it's really it's been i feel i feel really good probably the best i've felt in terms of career i hate that word <laughs> um than i than i have it's fun. I, I was actually going to end with, um, you know, what advice would you would you give to someone who's trying to get into what you do? But I think you've pretty much just summed it up. Bet on yourself and work fucking hard. Yeah, I think so. And like, and that's where I get like a little bit sort of like, oh, maybe I should just like just say fuck it and aim for TV. But I'm also like, because every time touch wood, every time I've said no, nah, fuck it, I'm doing it. And um, as long realistically, I'm very lucky. As long as I've got Beth, I genuinely don't care what happens and like i'm very lucky to have that um but it does seem to be every time i have better myself and done something it has has worked out but yeah i mean in terms of advice as you said bet on yourself work hard invest in yourself as well like you know the difference between like a good quality mic and a good quality sound system compared to just just winging it if you can invest in yourself and if you know someone who like if you're if you're 18 and you're listening to this and you don't know what you're doing but you think you might want to start like presenting and your mate's got a job where he's first job where he's earning 20 grand a year ask him for 200 quid which you'll pay him back to buy yourself a camera or put yourself on a presenting course because like bet on yourself and invest in yourself when i was doing this i think i think i bought my first dslr in 2012 now you can just if you've got an iphone you're pretty much as good as as ready as you'll ever need to be yeah. <laughs> like if you've got an iphone get yourself a tie on mic and you're all good to go it's so, funny yeah. i was sitting there today and i was looking at um because obviously when things start to open up again and stuff one of the reasons i've just i've just bought a mixer and, and a couple of other mic stands and stuff is i want to sit down with people and do this 
properly uh, and mm. i was looking i was looking at cameras and stuff today and i was like mm, what could i get to you know maybe film I, I wouldn't want to film whole episodes but just parts for content and i was like to be honest i could probably just buy a new phone and probably have a better <laughs> camera than exactly. most of the shit I'm, I'm looking at now so yeah no you're right with that exactly I, I would remember, say as well, mate, you have absolutely smashed this. You're such a good host. Thank you very much. And really I, well, good. I just hope people enjoy it. Um, we, we've got, we've covered over so many subjects. Uh, we've gone from, from politics to um, lockdown to um, Seth Rogen's ashtray. <laughs> we, we've two, two random young white lads have just rambled on about women's cinema for half an hour. <laughs> so we, we've, we've gone through the motions and it, but this is what I was saying to you earlier. This is why I wanted to get you on because this has been a big test for me, this episode, because my last two episodes have been people from music and uh, episode four is, you know, supposed to be someone from music as well. And th that is my field of expertise, but um, I know a lot of interesting people from all different walks of life. As I say, my mate runs like a, a horse racing brand now and he'll be coming on and, you know, a friend, another friend of mine runs his own business, but again, that's to do with the, the music industry as well. But yeah, you know, it's been an absolute privilege to, to have you on. Where can people get in touch with you on the socials? um at simon harkness tv on twitter at simon harkness on instagram um and i think that is everything um yeah just search for it's gone virals youtube and you'll see me um get abuse from top gear fans <laughs> wait till they find out you're a socialist mate it'd be even fucking I know, worse <laughs> i know honestly mate like it's, it's so like a funny. dirty word among them type of people isn't it God, yeah, and I think that's what it is. Like, it's 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 so funny. Like, the the difference between the comments on the Margot Robbie video compared to the ones with Clarkson, I'm just like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, am I shit or am I good? I don't know. Mate, oh, honestly, it, any any time I've ever heard anyone do an interview, as you, you know, we mentioned Joe Rogan at the start of the podcast. A lot of people that go on his show. You know, I was listening to one of his recently with Dustin Poirier, who's a UFC fighter who just beat Conor McGregor. Um, and he said he used to sit, but in it, the first fight he had with Conor McGregor, Conor knocked him out. And he's like, one of the differences is, is he used to sit and read all the comments on YouTube videos and, and on his Twitter and stuff like that. He's like, nowadays, I don't even look at that as shit. And he's a much better yeah. person and a much better fighter for it. So, yeah, I think that 100%. rings true for everyone. But no, Simon, it's been an absolute privilege, as I say, mate, and really appreciate you taking two hours out of out of lockdown life to, to sit and talk to me man thank you very much mate honestly thank you so much for asking me i've, I've I loved it <laughs> i'm pretty hungry now i won't lie but it has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much man awesome stuff guys on the next episode i've got my good friend dj blaze all the way from dubai is going to be tuned in um on zoom with me and uh yeah until then subscribe make sure you subscribed on spotify and itunes and everywhere else where all good podcasts are found hopefully by uh by the end of this week the first episode will be up because as we recalled i'm still waiting for the first one to drop so um, TV problems. When, yeah but you'll be listening to this one this one's episode three so um the over the hill podcast make sure you subscribe on spotify and itunes and everywhere else and uh until next time peace out <laughs>